Welcome to the Recruitment Hackers Podcast, a show about innovations, technology, and leaders in the recruitment industry. Brought to you by TalkPush, the leading recruitment automation platform. Hello, welcome back to the Recruitment Hackers Podcast. I'm your host, Max Armbruster. And today we have a special episode where we're going to talk about how the recruitment experience and the candidate experience differs for Latin America in the high volume space in particular, but Latin America in general, uh, which is a, a big market for us where we've spent the last four or five years preparing and adapting to it. And I thought there would be no better person to come and discuss this market than our very own Carolina Vargas, who is the head of customer success for TalkPush based in Costa Rica. Welcome to the show, Carolina. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for coming. First time we're having an internal discussion on this show, but you know, I don't think that there's too many TA practitioners in Latin America who have experience necessarily at the regional level. I mean, I can think of a few, of course, some of whom we serve, but a lot of them is country by country, right? It's a domestic, you know, recruitment is a domestic game for most companies. Yeah, exactly. And we still have the chance to make the comparison with Latin America and North America. And that proves to be very, very different regions, honestly, in terms of their behavior, the way we see they adapt their strategies, their sourcing strategies. So, so I think that has proven to be very effective in terms of analyzing how these companies are doing what they're doing today. Yeah, it's like the big brother, the biggest market in, in the world is right north of uh, the border if you're in Mexico. But if you look in, in terms of headcount, Latin America is much bigger. It's a bigger talent pool than any. I don't know if you can measure sort of diversity and complexity of a market, but would you say that the North America is more uniform than Latin America? I, I would assume Latin America is much more diverse in terms of candidate behavior. It is, absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, the North America itself has a lot of diversity, but I suppose Latin America as a whole, you have to consider the difference between the northern part of South America, for most people, the Caribbean behaves in a completely separate way. We have countries in Latin America that speak only English, that speak French, Portuguese, and Spanish for the most. So, of course, you have diversity in terms of ethnicity, in terms of how these countries interact with one another. And I mean, as you were saying, without a doubt, Latin America has a skilled workforce with relatively low costs compared to other regions, even our own neighbors like the US and Europe, Brazil and Mexico are pretty powerful economies on their own. But I think the rest of Latin America are the smaller countries. We rely a lot on our neighbors to you know, export our services. And I think something that happened, especially during the pandemic is that we managed to remove all the remaining barriers that made outsourcing for services so attractive. Okay, so the Latin America is, uh, is the smaller countries are booming, finding ways to sell their services to the region. Cool. And for those who aren't aware, which countries you said some countries speak English and French, but I guess the majority of the, the spaces is in Spanish. Is it fair to consider this whole region as generally Spanish speaking and to apply 
the same language settings for all candidates? Well, I suppose you could potentially discuss something about Latin American Spanish. And this is something that you, for example, use in Word. There is an understanding of what Latin American Spanish is, but on its own, it's very different. We use different ways to treat people. So for example, this is something that we've considered in our own bots. It's not the same to create a bot for a Mexican audience than a Costa Rican or an Argentinian audience. They use completely different ways to speak to their candidates. One can be considered extremely formal in a country and extremely informal in another. So these are things that we have to be cautious. Of course, you're going to get your message across. We all understand Spanish, even if it comes from Spain or Argentina, we all understand it. But it's not the way you want to present your brand. You want to take care of these minor things when you're creating or conversing with these candidates. Okay, so could you illustrate that? You said the, the formal versus more colloquial style. Would it be rude to address uh, someone in Mexico in a way which is more formal in Costa Rica or, or vice versa? Yeah, for example, in Costa Rica, it's very common to speak to people in Usted. That is the way we speak to everybody. I would speak to my parents like that. And this is considered extremely formal in Mexico. It would create a, a barrier or a distance between candidate and recruiter that would be considered a little harsh or even cold. They would put you in a defensive position. So this is something that you have to be mindful of. They can absolutely understand it, but it does change the way you're interacting with people. So as an employer brand, if you said usted to a candidate in high volume recruitment in, in Mexico, you'd come off as distant and yeah, a bit too formal. Absolutely. And we've considered this in the way we shape or the conversational designing team is preparing these bots, right? They want to make sure they adapt the way people are expecting to connect with these brands. Yeah. So for our listeners who don't know TalkBush, well, we design and provide chatbots, conversational AIs, which have to speak the local language and adapt to local behaviors. So that's an extra layer of work and complexity for, for us. But I guess be, beyond the conversation and the language component, we could look into a little bit more of the, the differences in behavior, maybe starting from the corporate side. There's, yeah, from the corporate side, is there a good division of labor between recruitment marketing and recruitment operations as you may have in Asia or, or sometimes in the U.S.? They use a lot of agencies to manage their ad buy and employer branding work. What's the lay of the land for Latin America? I suppose it's pretty diverse as well. We do find uh, that it's more common that these companies do it in-house. So most of their marketing or recruitment marketing is managed uh, in-house. There is a difference, though. The stronger companies that we see are the ones that are being able to chase the top talent, are the ones that have a, a stronger connection between their recruitment or their talent acquisition departments and their marketing departments. And of course, the way that they generate their employer brand can, can of course, create a huge impact in the way that they're addressing these candidates. The candidates sometimes reach on their own. We have clients that do no advertising and have massive amounts of volume because of what they've done and the services the, they provide. People want to work for them. Maybe they don't have the best benefits of the region, but the power of their brand is so visible that candidates are looking for them even. So yeah, I suppose uh, to answer your questions, we do see all kinds of of behavior in terms of interaction and marketing, interacting with recruiters and talent acquisition teams. But yeah, they take care of their employer brands and that's what creates the difference. Okay. And is there a, a big use of agencies to build a brand or is it mostly done in-house? Mostly in-house. 
even for bigger companies. The other aspect of, of recruitment, which is so key, is buying direct. You know, I heard your example saying that a strong employer brand can suffice to fill your talent pool for some of the bigger brands, but you know, that's not going to work for everybody. Some direct advertising as well is going to be necessary. In the US, you have Indeed, ZipRecruiter, and LinkedIn, which dominate a lot of the market. And then you often have like a dominant player in some of the markets in Asia. Uh, in Latin America, for those who, who don't know how it breaks down, is there one job board or marketplace where people can go to, to support them regionally? No, we wish. No, not really. Job boards are very important, definitely, but they are so different from one country to the other that the same formula will not be sufficient for one country and then the other. So we see Indeed working in Mexico, for example, not at the extent that it works in the U.S. at all. And then job boards like Tecoloco that work very well in Central America, nobody knows who they are outside of it. Or Computrabajo works for certain roles even, but it's not the same for the rest of the region. So South America, Uruguay, Brazil, they all have different local job boards that work very well. And LinkedIn, definitely in terms of a regional uh, strategy, but this is for certain industries and more mid-senior positions. But yeah, as you were saying, there's much diversity. People really browse a lot and, and definitely you're going to have to find the right job board, not only for the country, but also for the type of positions you're advertising. So for this purchasing, you have to have a, a, a domestic expert, you know, a country by country expert to decide where you buy your ads, where you buy your traffic. Yeah, I mean, you can always rely on social media. Social media is big, but if you want to tap into all of the most effective sources, as your competition is probably already doing, then definitely you're going to have to do a little research on what is the right combination for, for you and the type of roles you're advertising. Okay. All right. Well, let's say somebody figures that part out. The next part is then how do I communicate with candidates? Are you seeing similar behavior, let's say, with the other market that you operate in North America, because you manage both regions? Do you see significant differences in candidate behavior and the way they communicate or you know, how recruiters engage with them? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the difference is extreme. I suppose in the US, I think WhatsApp is not really a thing. Probably only less than 20% of people are using the application. And and these 20%, we're talking about probably Latin American people even. So as opposed to the rest of the region, that WhatsApp is king, really. There's no other way to say it. And we're seeing a lot of people not connecting their job applications to Facebook anymore or to their personal emails, especially recently. And then people prefer a lot to gravitate towards WhatsApp, which is very easy to use. And the pandemic did create this very extreme leap in terms of candidates that are more rural, that are part of regions in Latin America, our average candidate interacting with bots. And right now we can see that there has been a dramatic swift. People are communicating through WhatsApp to order pizzas, to get their taxis mm. for everything. So they're used to that now uh, in all parts of Latin America. Of course, there are still accessibility issues everywhere. And But we see the adoption in 96% for most of these countries, even countries in that are only English speakers like Trinidad and Tobago, they have like a 98% uh, adoption on WhatsApp. And mm. they use these as formal channels of communication that will allow them to use rich media, that will allow them to send big texts. Sometimes it's necessary as opposed to SMS, which is 
uh, what they use in the U.S. that is far more limited. You cannot brand it in any way and it's costly. It's really far more expensive. Yeah, it's one of those areas in the U.S. where they're actually a little bit behind. In China, everything goes on WeChat, all yeah. transactions, all payments. And it seems like WhatsApp is supporting uh, all kinds of e-commerce now and activity yeah. and behavior. It's a bit yeah. surprising what you said about the lockdown being a driver for this mobile messaging app adoption. You would think that, you know, with people being stuck at home, maybe they wouldn't use their phone so much. But it makes sense, I guess, to be ordering, yeah, that to access the world from your phone instead of in the streets. Uh, so, yeah. yeah. And especially younger people. I mean, we see this definitely tracked on our candidates' behavior. We see numbers that reflect that we have now incoming a lot of candidates, blue-collar workers in rural areas in Latin America. They're perfectly able to communicate and using smartphones for everything now. All of a sudden, scanning a QR code became almost mandatory if you wanted to receive information from your government or health information about COVID or ordering in a restaurant. You wow. no longer were allowed to touch people or to pay using your hands. So yeah, and one day to another, we did make a, a big turn. I suppose yeah. there's still some some stuff that has to be adapted for a younger audience. And we've seen that with our clients. Some of our clients have made tremendous effort in reaching to the people that are not yet ready to go from offline to online. But yeah, there's been definitely a change. The story of, of the QR code will have to be written down in tech history as the greatest comeback ever. Yeah. Because there was such a big push for it 10 years ago. Nobody wanted to touch it. And then, you know, what you needed as a pandemic to now make it the, the way government communicates and everybody else. So you're seeing that in recruitments as well? Yeah, and definitely, at least in the sample of clients that we have, we, for a moment, experienced a period of time where QR codes weren't interesting or attractive for them anymore. And then the pandemic came to, to bring that back absolutely so this is the way that they are now using their uh, referral programs now they're using mm. qr codes so they're putting these qr codes on their coffee mugs and on their boards and physical spaces but also they're using it on their uh, email signatures for example and all these things are things that were not used anymore a couple of years ago so i think now you see people in all sorts of restaurants scanning the uh, menu and everything and yeah so now it's back qr code is, is back but I guess this is also connected to the region making, I don't know, a 10-year technology leap. I see my parents and my grandma using Zoom now. And, and that was something that was, I don't know how long it would have taken for the government's employers and workers to adapt to where we are today, thanks to the pandemic, with all the horrible things that brought, it also brought a huge technology leap in the region. Okay. Uh, are there other ways of COVID affected candidate behaviors or uh, new trends that you saw you know, peak up and rise in, in Latin America through th over the last year and a half? Yeah, I suppose I could think of two big things, making remote work mandatory for anyone who could. So, I mean, a huge percentage of the industries one day to the next, they pretty much put a, a mandatory experiment on a global scale. And then now a year and a half down the line, we're seeing tremendous success of companies that managed to adapt. And then there's also like all over the our cultural space, you see memes or sketches of people refusing to go back to the office. They, they just mm. won't do it. And that's very interesting because it's causing in the US something I think you were mentioning the other day, like a big resignation. People are just not willing to go back to their former conditions. But in Latin America, it's a little different because, well, the region struggles a little more and the unemployment rate after COVID skyrocketed. We're looking at 
I don't know, it, it, it's now at 11%, I suppose. In some countries, Costa Rica is 20% unemployment at this point. And that's hmm. drastic. That's very dramatic. So you see these people that are not willing to go back to their former jobs, but at the same time, there's still a lot of unemployment. So it's difficult for them. More to, exactly. So they don't want to come back, but maybe they will a little bit faster than the Americans, the North Definitely. Americans. We're not supposed to time, say the Americans because that's the whole continent. So we're yeah. not supposed to do that. Okay, great. Well, thank you for, for coming to share. And of course, you know, there's very little we can cover in this format, but we could talk about country by country. And uh, if people uh, would like to reach out to you, uh, we'll put your contacts in the links, but I guess uh, Carolina Vargas on LinkedIn or hello at talkpush.com and <laughs> Carol can talk to you and help you optimize your recruiting marketing strategy for the countries you you're looking to accelerate in thanks carol for joining us thank you very much max it was a pleasure regardless if you're a global brand world-renowned or just a regional player localization and getting closer to your candidates is key to achieving success in recruitment i hope you learn some interesting insights from carolina who, who shared the experience of South America and how within one region, often seen as uniform, you have a great diversity in languages, culture, expectations, and marketing behaviors. If you'd like to know more, of course, you can reach out to, to her at TalkBush and, and hope that you'll follow us and share with friends to help us promote this podcast.